The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers, bringing you the voices that make you think right now on Talk 94.5. Joining us live on the air is Dr. Naomi Wolf, the author of Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. She's the co-founder and CEO of DailyCloud.io, a successful civic tech company. Good Good morning, Dr. Naomi Wolf. Good morning. Please call me Naomi, and uh, thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for joining us once again. And, um, you know, one of the things we talked about in uh, lead up to this interview is that you you are a very high level Democratic consultant. And we've talked about this in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. What was it, you know, that really started to change the way you were thinking about the way I, I have to say it, we've been manipulated over the years by our politicians, by our media, now by social media, the internet, the powers that be. What was it that was a real, um, a kind of a change of perspective for you? Yeah, thanks for asking, Liz. Um, well, I guess I still think of myself as a classical liberal, but I think these labels are meaningless now. Mm-hmm. Um because what's really happening in this country and worldwide is the division now, not between left and right, but between who cares for the Constitution, who cares for human rights and basic freedoms, truth and accuracy, mm-hmm. versus who is trying to enslave us, um, you know, global oligarchs trying to drain our sovereignty and reduce us to a feudal state. And the COVID uh, stories you mentioned in the intro are central to this. And I talk about this in the bodies of others. I'm sorry, in um, Facing the Beast, my new book, uh, out this week. Um, so what really changed for me is that in June of 2021, Liz, I posted on Twitter that women were reporting eyewitness accounts of their own bodies, right. menstrual problems, menstrual mm-hmm. changes and symptoms upon receiving these mRNA COVID injections. And Liz, this is something I've been doing for 45, I'm sorry, 35 years. I need a second cup of coffee. Um, (laughs) I've been reporting on women's sexual and reproductive health, and it made me a darling of the left and of the legacy media until June of 2021, when I was immediately deplatformed, a global smear campaign followed, and I was kind of ousted from my perch uh, as a, you know, decades-long legacy media commentator and pundit on the left. Um, And I tell the story of this in Facing the Beast. And I guess what was so shocking to me is that, A, you know, half of society and unfortunately my tribe uh, colluded in in throwing away all of their ideals overnight is, you know, as these COVID narratives were rolled out, whether it was forgetting that governments lie and that, you know, corporations lie, which we used to know, to being completely happy, torching the Constitution and embracing you know, in lockdown, the suppression of our, our First Amendment rights, um, all the way to uh, will, willfully embracing a two-tier discrimination society, exactly like Jim Crow laws, um, in embracing uh, COVID discrimination based on vaccine status, right? To the point where I couldn't walk into a restaurant in New York City to eat with my family because of my medical status being unvaccinated. And I was horrified. And then censorship, you mentioned this in the intro. I found out through two lawsuits by two attorneys general that the reason I was deplatformed and smeared for reporting something accurate and important about women's health in 2021 had to do with 
pressure, this is an email obtained by these two attorneys general, pressure from the White House mm-hmm. and the CDC on Twitter and Facebook lifting out my accurate tweet uh, to send a be on the lookout alert um, for misinformation for me, basically. Uh, so it was my own government that I voted wow. for, my administration for whom I voted that drove the scary effort to censor and deplatform me and, you know, which led to huge consequences in my life um, that were negative. Uh, but in a way, it's a blessing in disguise because being kind of ejected from my comfortable, privileged life as a, you know, media insider on the left um, forced me to talk to conservatives and libertarians and, and hear things that challenged my beliefs. And I tell that story, too. I had to rethink a lot of things I thought were true, um, you know, based on these conversations with with people I'd been taught to uh, look down on and hate. You know, um, Naomi, just the thought, though, um, the fact that you were, like you said, you were a media darling, you were a media insider, that news that you were being deplatformed and and being, um, you know, your freedom of speech was obviously violated by your own federal government and then by the party in charge being the party you subscribe to and voted to and often supported. How did that feel? Because to me, that 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 would be like a, a very awful feeling of betrayal, like the people you trusted, the people you went to bat for um, mm. that literally turned on you and your rights as an American citizen. What kind of level of violation did you feel um, from that? Because. I mean, first of all, I feel they like picking on the wrong person because that really just gave you more fire. Like you said, might have been the best thing that ever happened um, in the long run. But I mean, did, did, did that knock you down? Were you shocked or did it light your fuse right away? Well, I didn't know until uh, America First Legal sued the Biden administration and also these two attorneys right. general successfully sued um, I didn't know that it was the White House behind all of this. I thought it was just just Twitter, which I could deal oh, with. Okay. But 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 it it was terrifying, honestly, mm-hmm. um, on a personal level, as well as very shocking. Um, and it's not just the White House; they looped in like like Homeland Security type uh, sub agencies that have the power not just to. Um, you know, surveil me, but to mess up my life in other ways. So it's it, it's very very frightening, and it's so deeply unconstitutional. But a, and you know, I suffered a lot. Like an investor in my company withdrew a six figure investment oh. uh, as a result of my being so widely smeared. And it goes on to this day. Like my new book is coming out this week. There's a bestseller written by uh, someone on the left who's very famous, Naomi Klein, which is simply it looks like it was commissioned. Mm. to smear me further, right? And wow. it's like it, it, it they're not stopping, right? And so what are they um, afraid of, you think, of of well, you that, I, to to do that? I mean, that's a lot. Uh, that's even more. That's like proactive. Like it's very proactive. Um I know exactly what they're afraid of. You know, you mentioned that uh that the NIH funded the investigation of coronavirus in 2018 
importing the coronaviruses from the Wuhan lab in China. And they did this in the heartland of America in Montana. So as I've pointed out elsewhere, we don't know that um, the finger pointing at China in you know, January to March of 2020 isn't a, a redirection. Uh, and this could explain why Dr. Fauci is so determined to stamp out questions, um, you know, by people like me or people like the Great Barrington uh, Declaration signatories. Um, he, he may have brought coronavirus to America by this reckless illegal experimentation. And I'm getting emails from people in the heartland around Montana saying, I was really sick in 2018, early 2019. Wow. I lost my sense of taste and smell. You know, this virus could have been circulating, you know, leaking from Montana, right? Wow. It was so reckless. And he's a criminal and a mass murderer. Clearly, obviously, he needs to be tried by a jury of his peers, but this is a very serious crime. Um, and the cover-up is just as bad. So I am, how can I put it? I'm one of the very few reporters uh, who kept reporting this, you know, these stories. The New York Times was bought off. The Washington Post was bought off. Um, I, I traced the flow of money to all these legacy media outlets, and they took millions for, quote, overcoming vaccine hesitancy um, and, and targeting people like me or silencing people like me. So I also started to break very important stories, like what would have happened if we had been allowed to talk about women having menstrual problems mm -hmm. in June of 2021? Well, it's now 2023, and you don't have to be a genius to know that if women are having really horrible problems with their menstrual cycles in 2021, they're going to have fertility problems in 2023. And that's exactly what's happening. And I've reported this out all the way along the line, along with my incredible group of now 3,250 medical and scientific volunteers going through the Pfizer documents. But we're seeing a 13 to 20% drop in live birth in the West and in countries like the United States. Um, and it's directly traceable. And we've published these reports based on the Pfizer documents. To Pfizer's like experimentation on women, basically, and men as reproductive beings that are revealed in these internal documents, uh, this injection damages the placenta, damages ovaries, lowers sperm count, poisons breast milk, uh, causes miscarriage and um, spontaneous abortion. And and this is in Pfizer's own words, right? Uh, you know, maternal exposure to the vaccine. And, and, and the White House knew. So I have the receipt, you know, brought to me by my team of very distinguished scientists and doctors who are serving humanity as volunteers by going through these tens of thousands of documents. Mm -hmm. And and this is, you know, this is like the most important story in the world. But it, and I'm not exaggerating, I say that like reservedly, but it implicates all, like not just the administration, it implicates the Washington Post, the New York Times, you know, the CDC. It, it implicates all of these people down the chain of command in uh, really causing sterilization, disabling conditions, and, and death, murders that they knew about. You know, I, I, I'm just... I, knowing what I know, and, and I've interviewed you multiple times over the last year and a half, it's really overwhelming to have to be doing this like for so long since, you know, um, you've gotten these Pfizer documents. What is the thing that keeps you going, Naomi? Because there are so many entities that are working against you, yet 
um, you know, you keep going and um, you make yourself available uh, for us to help get the word out. You wrote this new book, Facing the, you know, um, Facing the Beast. And then in in one of your chapters, you even kind of, you, you write a letter, Dear Conservatives, I apologize. What is that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what are you trying to, uh, what can you accomplish here? Are the right people listening? Do you need more of something? I, I don't know. I'm trying to see how we can help here. Because well, we're, we're very frustrated and, and it's yeah. very scary. And we see what's happening now with um, these pro-Hamas and anti-Semite marches. This is getting mm-hmm. scary. It is really scary. Um, and this is part of the big picture, of course, like whipping up tribalism, whipping up hatred, uh, heightening divisions. This is all part of the globalist plan. And it's also a massive distraction. I mean, you know, these atrocities are real. Anti-Semitism is real, anti-Islam feelings are real, but what's, you know, really happening during all of this worldwide kind of heat fest uh, on social media, especially, is um, that the WHO is trying to remove our sovereignty as nations mm. and, and find a treaty uh, that would turn us into slaves. So uh, I guess to answer your question, what keeps me going, honestly, it's very hard, Liz. Mm-hmm. Um I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired and, and scared. Um, but what keeps me going day by day is a few things. Um, one of them is I really have to credit my husband. I It's interesting how time is circular. I met him in 2014 when I was getting death threats during another you know, conflict in Israel-Palestine when literally all I was doing is saying, remember to leave civilians out of the conflict on both sides. And that was um, that was so inflaming to people who want conflict that I was getting very scary death threats, and I had to hire him as a security consultant. And, of course, I fell in love with him and married him. And, you know. <laughs> that sounds like, uh, you know, the bodyguard movie right there. <laughs> exactly. But That's I guess funny. what I'm going with that is, um, I mean, this is so providential, Mm-hmm. The universe sent me a man highly trained for decades in military intelligence and being embedded with special operations to uh, protect me, to protect me physically, to um, alert me to threats uh, reputationally that I wouldn't be aware of, to investigate people who are trying to harm me or uh, trick me. So he's like full time with, you know, decades of training from the U.S. Army <laughs> and the intelligence agencies to protect me and keep me safe. It, that doesn't mean it's not really scary. It just means I'm blessed that, you know, just my physical safety, I have him by my side, you know, armed <laughs> when I'm in, in dangerous situations. Um, I guess the other thing is, I, I, like, I believe in God. And, you know, Facing with Beast really does tell the story of how I, this journey in which, you know, these reports brought me face to face with an evil that I couldn't have ever imagined, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole lockdown scenario is such a global evil and so inexplicably harmonized, right? And not like human history ever before. It's a completely other kind of history. It led me to conclude that we're looking at metaphysical forces here that are not just human mm-hmm. politics. And it's really a cosmic battle between good and evil. And and I concluded, not to give away the end of Facing the Beast, but I concluded, um, 
you know, having heard something that uh, Dr. Zevzelenko, uh, the late Dr. Zevzelenko said, I did conclude that humanity is facing a test right now. And that includes me. And, mm. you know, someday I'll die. You know, the patient abuse tells the story of how I almost died in the hospital. And, you know, I do believe I'm going to be accountable. And if you knew that humanity itself was being jeopardized by something that people could choose not to take if they had the information, you would work. Any decent person would work day and night yeah. to get the word out. And that at this point, we you know, we've saved millions of lives. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I have to ask you a question, though, before we go, and we're almost we're really out of time, but I, I need to ask you, and we're speaking with Dr. Naomi Wolf, the author of Facing the Beast. I have to ask you, in the throes of COVID, I was looking at what Israel was doing and their restrictions and pushing certain drugs and all of that and how they were doing their lockdowns. And and I wasn't too fond of what they were doing. I kind of felt like they were turning into a police state in so many ways. If I, th- if I look back and I start thinking about it, um, was that something you were following? Oh, yes, very closely. And one of our... Um best uh, writers, my my uh, deputy editor, Etana Hecht, is Israeli, and she was reporting on this from Israel for us. Um, it, it, you're absolutely right, Liz. Israel, along with Australia, were really petri dishes. Yeah. They were labs for the worst, um, you know, lockdowns and forced vaccinations and, you know, vaccine passes. And at the same time, some of the people, so interesting, some of the earliest reports on the problems with fertility um, came to us via Eitana Hecht because of the Orthodox Jewish community in Israel who track women's menstrual cycles very carefully because of ritual observations in family life involving, you know, being done with your period. And Mm. uh, Mm. I guess, yeah, I know, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not sure how to tie it in, except to say that Pfizer clearly, you know, probably Moderna too, had a contract with the Israeli government to use the people of Israel as guinea pigs, um, not just for the injections, but for the um, forcing of society to comply with giving up their uh, human rights. And and then that was kind of duplicated around the world. Um, yeah, because I kept thinking... Ironic. I kept thinking, I kept saying, like, what the heck is going on in Israel? Like, I kept saying that, you know, through all these times we would hear, because, you know, we were looking to all these other countries. What are they doing? How is this working there? Whatever. Um, and, you know, it was a very uh, scary time. And, and and then we started saying, well, wait a minute. What are they, exactly are they trying to accomplish here? Um, yeah. Like you yeah. said, greater forces, metaphysical a battle between good and evil. I I have to say, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and Nick, you're nodding your head, my co-host here. Um, and 100%. We just feel like there is this larger entity um, and everything we're being told is not what it's, but that's not the we truth. We question it. Is it yeah. power? Is it money? Is it control? Like, what is it? It's something deeper and bigger. Mm. Yeah, no, Absolutely. It's so ironic, too, because, you know, we Jewish people know the history of unethical medical experimentation and mm. forcing people um, yeah. to, you know, give up their rights. And, and we, you know, we should we should know better. So I'm glad to say there's a robust medical freedom community in Israel. And there are people, you know, in Israel as around the world, in Australia, in Canada, in other places that have been 
kind of successfully broken as free societies through the, you know, interventions the last few years, people are really kind of rising up and demanding answers. But it does take all of us. And Liz, you asked what what you all could do to help. Yes. I'll be frank. You know, I'll be very honest. Um, we need we need donations. Uh, we have a $120,000 legal bill uh, we have to pay. We have two lawsuits against Pfizer and against the United States government. And it's also very expensive to publish these reports in book mm-hmm. form, which we've done. So people can help by going to Amazon and ordering the Pfizer documents book, um, or they can just send us a donation. You know, especially at you know, end, end of year, we have a tax-deductible partner, um, American Voters Alliance, if you want to send us an end-of-the-year gift. I hate to ask for money, but we really are, you know, running on a shoestring and we're exhausted and everyone's working under market, but uh, the money helps us fight. Well, I'll share your uh, website, dailycloud.io, on our Facebook page so people can learn more about that and order and donate and whatever it is. Um, It's, um, uh, you know, every time I speak with you, I'm... (laughs) I shudder with fear because it is, it is, this is serious and it is a battle. And um, sometimes I feel like we're not winning, especially after what we went through with the elections yesterday. It doesn't look good in some cases. So, Um, but uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf, thank you so much for joining us. The name of the book, again, Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith and Resistance in a New Dark Age. You said it's available this week. And um, yes, well, actually, it's shipping now, so you can order it now and you will get it. Okay. In a couple of yeah, and thank you. I appreciate all of you. Well, I, thank I appreciate you. Thank you. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time. All right. Take care.